you leave here today. It is good to see you here on a beautiful Sunday morning. God's been good to us. He's given us a beautiful day, wonderful opportunity to come back to his house. And we're going to jump right into the word, if we could, Mark chapter number six this morning. Mark chapter number six. Uh, I told someone at the beginning of the year, I'm going to try to cut out any unnecessary talking. Uh, that way I don't keep you too terribly long, okay? Uh, so we're going to jump right into it. When you find Mark chapter number 6, let's go ahead and stand. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. I do want to remind you, don't forget tonight, be here for uh, the service here. Our missionary will also be here, and after that, we have our stewardship. I do want to remind you, go also on the app and be sure to register couples for the couples retreat in Memphis coming up very soon. Uh, and I was also told to remind us about Easter eggs. Uh, we here we are uh, behind in that. We need to get some plastic eggs with candy. Uh, if you have any questions about that, see some of our ladies. They'll fill you in on exactly what to do. We just need eggs and we need candy. Amen. Mark chapter 6, verse number 1, the Bible says, And when he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him, and when, he, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is the, is the which is given excuse me, unto him? And then even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Verse 4, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could do there, he could there do no mighty work, say that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went out, went round about the villages teaching. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Father, that we can go to it, regardless how many times we've read out of it. And Lord, draw something fresh and new, the Lord, that refreshes our spirit. I pray that you'd help us today. Father, I know what you've given us to preach. But Father, it's in vain if you don't work. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in my heart as I speak, work in our hearts as we listen. I pray during the invitation time, Father, that whatever it is, that, Father, you may bring to light in our life, that, Lord, we'll be obedient, Lord, and responsive to your will. I pray the lost would be saved today. Thank you, Father, for those that have been saved this week. We pray more would be saved, Lord, today and this upcoming week. And help us, Father, Lord, to be more concerned about that as we go throughout the day, Lord, concerning your will. Bless again, I pray the invitation, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thus far in this year, as we've looked at this encounter with Christ, we've covered a lot of individuals to where Christ has encountered them or they have encountered Christ and they have seen their lives utterly changed, whether it be through physical healing or spiritual healing. We've seen many wonderful accounts where Christ has come and changed the lives of those that he has preserved for us in his word. Today's going to be a little bit different as we jump in here in Mark chapter number 6. We're seeing where an entire city is about to encounter Christ. I want to stop right there and just give you a little bit of encouragement this morning. Aren't you glad that whether it's an individual or an entire city or an entire nation, that regardless when they encounter Christ, they'll always find Christ enough? I don't know about you, I have times in my life where I have good days and I have bad days. I like it when the good days outweigh the bad, don't you? I like having a good day. When you have a good day, you ought to thank God for that every once in a while because every good and perfect gift cometh down from above. 
But oh, when we have a bad day and we have a big trial or a big problem in our life, aren't you glad to know today that we have a Christ who's big enough for our trial? That whether or not you need a Christ for your need or a Christ for your family, the size of the need this morning is no matter to our Savior. I find often I am insufficient. And I am incapable of solving the problems I have and the needs that arise in my heart, in my mind, and in my life. Uh, oftentimes, somebody will walk through the door of the office and the need is far greater than my experience or my intelligence. But I'm glad that my Savior is sufficient. And I'm glad that when an encounter with Christ, there's no matter what the need is, you simply go look at Lazarus. I think he had a big problem, didn't he? He was dead. Yeah, that's a big problem to have, all right? And Christ handled that. I was thinking this morning, uh, many years ago, I was standing in the living room with one of our church members, and uh, I said, well, I got to go. I'm headed to Piggly Wiggly. Uh, I forget what we're going to get. I'm sure my wife was couponing or something. And we're getting ready to walk out his door, and he says, uh, man, he said, if I'd known you was going to Piggly Wiggly, I'd have, I'd have uh, brought some money and got you to pick me up something. I says, well, what do you want? He says, I want a ribeye. And I says, well, brother so-and-so, I says, I, I think I can afford to pick you up a ribeye. This was back in the early 2000s. I mean, a ribeye was what, six, seven dollars? I know it's probably doubled by now, but six or seven dollars for a ribeye. And I says, brother, so-and-so, don't worry. I'll pick that up for you. It's a gift from me to you. He goes, I don't think you understand. I want a whole ribeye. And I says, well, brother, uh, brother Ronnie was his name. I said, brother Ronnie, I, I've never seen a half of a ribeye for sale, I promise you. I can afford a whole ribeye steak, you know, I mean, you know, six, seven dollars. And he looked at me with a grin on his face and a twinkle in his eye. He says, no, I want a whole ribeye. It was about then the Holy Spirit says, you better shut your mouth. It's about to cost you some money. Uh, I had never purchased a whole ribeye. He says, I want the whole thing, and I'm going to cut it up into my own steaks. He said, I like my steaks an inch and a quarter thick. And uh, he says, I like to cut them thick, and I like to grill them thick. And uh, I want the whole thing where I can cut it myself. I said, maybe you ought to go to Piggly Wiggly yourself. You <laughs> didn't realize real quick, my mouth was getting way ahead of my pocketbook. I realized the, the need that was in front of me. Boy, here I was. I was boasting about it, man. I'm going to buy you a ribeye steak. And I'm thinking six, seven dollars, maybe ten on the outside of that. I can afford that. And then he didn't realize he wanted the whole stinking thing. And uh, I ended up going and getting it for him. And he paid me back. But I think it was around $65. I tell you, the need was a little bit bigger than I could handle, to be totally honest with you. Sometimes it's that way in life, isn't it? We have needs that are bigger than we can handle. We have burdens that are too big for us to bear. Uh, we have things on our mind that we cannot, cannot grapple with. But aren't you glad today that the Christ that we serve and the Christ that we seek to encounter is a Christ that's big enough. He's great enough for the needs that we have, whether or not it's the need for an individual, the need for a marriage, or the need for an entire city. Christ is great enough. I love 2 Chronicles, what the Bible says in chapter 29, verse 11, or 1 Chronicles, I'm sorry. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven is thine. Yes. He says, thine is the greatness and the majesty. All the greatness belongs to God, and all that is under heaven, and all that is in heaven is his. What does that mean? He can handle it. God's the caretaker of all of it. You know, sometimes we have trouble just weeding our flower beds, don't we? 
Uh, we have tr trouble cutting our grass, washing our dishes, or yes, even taking out our garbage. Sometimes we struggle with the problems we have, but God never struggles with the upkeep of this universe, and He doesn't struggle with the upkeep of our needs. God is great enough. We've got to realize that this morning when we get into this, because we're seeing Him come to an entire city. And this entire city has the same need, and it's the same, the same need Hattiesburg has. They need Christ. This past week, I was preaching a missions conference up in North Alabama, and I found out that the humans in North Alabama are just like the humans in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They need Christ. I'm glad Christ is great enough. Now, here's a problem, though, this morning. As we're looking at Nazareth here in Mark chapter number 6, we're going to see that Christ is coming to them, and aren't you glad that Christ can uphold his end of the bargain? That no matter what, Christ had the need for the people here in Nazareth, but the problem is the, the, the weak link was them. I want you to understand that has not changed all throughout time. You and I are still the weak link between having an encounter with Christ that fully affects us and changes us according to the will of God. We're the weak link in that. I still believe that Christ comes to us and he still desires that sinners be saved. He still calls people to preach. He still calls people to the mission field. I told a young lady this past week at a missions conference, I said, it's unfortunate that young ladies are surrendering to the mission field at a far greater rate than young men. They're hearing the call. So many single young ladies out there on the mission field. Hey, I believe God's still calling young men to the mission field. I still believe God's calling young men to the, uh, to the pastorate. Where's the problem? The problem's us. The problem's us. We're the weak link in this whole thing. Now this morning I want to look at this city that's here. And we're going to see how they missed out on having an encounter with Christ. Look down, if you will, real quickly to the verse number 5. The Bible says, and he could do there, he could there do no mighty work. The opportunity was there. Can I tell you, if Jesus summarizes anything, it's opportunity. But if Christ comes to you today, knocks on your heart's door about anything, you say, well, what do you want? Every time I go door knocking, people always say, you knock on the door, who is it? I hate to tell them it's the preacher. Because now I'm pretty sure they're not going to answer the door. Knock on the door. Who is it? Usually I just stand there and be quiet. Because after a while they're going to get curious enough. You know, maybe it's the Domino's man and he's just going to give them a free pizza or something. And after a while they come to the door. You knock on the door they say, who is it? And say, boy, it's the preacher. And boy, all of a sudden you realize that, that maybe they don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't realize that what I have to say, boy, is the, the best news in the world that they could ever hear it's a loving father, loved them enough to send his only begotten son to die for them. They could be saved. Can I tell you, oftentimes, Jesus stands at our door and knocks. And he comes with him bringing opportunity. And we miss out on it. Why? Well, it's because of us. We miss out on this encounter. This morning, I want to look at this thought for a few minutes. We're going to look at this encounter at Nazareth and what really is simply a missed encounter. A missed encounter. Now, it's a sad thought today that probably many will walk out of those four doors missing an encounter with Christ today. That's a horrible thought. Horrible thought. That Christ would come to us for anything. Salvation, 
surrender, repentance, whatever it is that he wants to do, and we would miss out on that encounter with Christ. I'm going to show you this morning this city here in Mark chapter 6, why they missed out on their encounter and why we'll miss out on one as well. Look down, if you will, to verse 1. The Bible says, and when he went out from thence, now notice where he's going, and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. I believe it's a very important, important point I want you to see there. Here's Christ, and Christ has been preaching in other cities. And Christ has been working great works in other cities. And yet now his journey and the will of God has led him back home. And he's finding that the welcome back home is a little bit too close for comfort. They didn't mind Christ working in those cities and doing things in those cities and working miracles in this city and doing great works in that city. And yet, now Christ has come a little bit too close to home. And I believe this morning that's the first reason that oftentimes we miss out on having an encounter with Christ. Number one this morning, an encounter with Christ, it's going to eventually hit home. An encounter with Christ is eventually going to hit home. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, hear me out. Isn't it wonderful when we hear about what God's doing in other people's lives? I'm thankful for those who prayed for my mom this week. I was, uh, I was preaching up in uh, Hartsell, Alabama, and got a phone call around lunch that mom was in a car accident. And when your dad calls you crying, that's never a good thing. And, um, boy, I went outside, tried to figure out what was going on. I said, Mom's been in an accident. The car's been totaled and taken by ambulance. Thank you. Several of our church members showed up there at the accident scene for my mom and even rode in the ambulance with her to the hospital and had some broken, she has some broken ribs, and that's why she's not here with us today. And, uh, boy, I tell you, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for people that were there, and I'm thankful for people that have prayed. And I'm thankful for people that have taken food by. Just blesses my heart hearing how God works through other people and is a blessing and does things for other people. Don't you like hearing about the goodness of God in other people's lives? I do. Don't get jealous when you hear God doing something for somebody. Well, you hear, hey, God blessed them with a great big old buck. And I'll be honest, it's hard sometimes to say, well, man, that is so good to hear. You're looking at your little old spike over there and you're thinking, Lord, why not me? No, we ought to be excited. Rejoice with them that are rejoicing at the goodness and the blessings of God. And we love seeing God work. Boy, we get excited when we hear about a missionary. Thank God for calling you to the mission field. Thank God for your surrender and being willing to go. And But we're excited when God does that for other people. But then suddenly there's a knock at our door. And Jesus shows up at our home. Jesus shows up at our city. Can I tell you, things suddenly get real when Jesus comes to our town. I believe this morning we miss out on encountering Christ oftentimes because when Christ comes, what does he bring? He brings change. You look at when Jesus showed up in the graveyard where Lazarus was at, and he showed up there, he brought change to the graveyard. You look at the woman at the well when he showed up and she had an encounter with him there at the well in John chapter 4. What did he bring to her? He brought her change. What did he bring to Bartimaeus who was sitting over there crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He brought change to him. That's why this morning we miss out on having encounters with Christ is because we know that when Christ comes to our town, he's coming to bring change. And that's why we don't answer the door. I think a lot of us have got those ring doorbells on our heart. We do. That's the most miserable contraption of Satan. You say, what do you mean? I think Satan invented that because now when you go door knocking, a lot of times if I see it, I don't even push the button. 
I still knock on the door. I'm sure they're thinking, what kind of an idiot is knocking on the door when we have a ring doorbell? It's the guy that don't want you to know who's quite there yet. And then you see the little blue lights come on, and you know they're watching you. So what I try to do is I try to have my track there. You know, my official ID. I need a preacher badge. Could somebody get me one of those? A badge for preachers, you know, have the words on there, you know, official representative of the gospel of Christ. I believe a lot of times we know who's knocking. And we know when Jesus comes to town. And we know who's knocking on our heart's door. And we know that if we open the door, he's coming to bring change in our life. And the reason we miss out, just like Nazareth missed out, it's because we know that this encounter is hitting a little bit too close to home. We get excited about hearing the thousands that are being saved over there in the Philippines. I talked to Brother Ogle the other day, and he was in India. And I think over 800 people professed Christ. 800 in one me. He says, brother, I know you hear from missionaries a lot, and you don't want to believe it when you hear hundreds were saved. He says, but I mean it. People just kept coming out of the woodwork, and over 800 professions of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get excited about that. But man, we don't get excited about going out on Saturday and winning some here. Oh, me. We get excited about what God's doing in the Philippines. We get excited about what God's doing in Mexico and India. We get excited about what God's doing in Japan. But, oh, wait a minute, you get a little too close to home when you're asking me to change my schedule for what Jesus wants. I think that's why we miss out on encounters. There's a story, I've probably told this 15 times since I've been here, but I'm going to tell it again because it's a good one. Two, two buddies going down the road. He says, man, we're good friends, right? He says, yeah, we're good friends. He said, so if you had two houses, would you give me one? He says, you know I would. You're my best friend since childhood, I'd give you one. If you had two pickup trucks, would you give me one of those pickup trucks? He says, you know what? I can't drive two at once, I'd be glad to give you one. He said, so if you had two hogs, he says, now wait a minute, you know I got two hogs. Isn't that how we do our Lord? God, I will give you whatever, I'll go to India, I'll go to China, I'll go to Mexico, I'll go wherever you want. But listen, he might just want you to go across the street. You see, folks, when Christ starts hitting close to home and Christ starts encroaching upon our backyard, then suddenly everything begins to change. Why? Because we don't want to change. That's the problem. The Bible says in verse 1, and when he went out from thence and came into his own country I'm afraid we want an encounter with Christ just not a close one we want an encounter with Christ we want to know him and know who he is we just don't want a close encounter with Christ I was thinking about something I heard somebody say the other day I forget if I was at the hospital or a restaurant and there was somebody in the words of my English teacher in ninth grade Miss Young acting a fool Miss Young loved to use that phrase sometimes about me yes she was the old school marm Quit acting a fool, you know. And I was sitting there in the hospital, I think it was a hospital, and somebody come through there just acting a fool. And the person sitting beside me in the waiting room looked over at me and she goes, they need Jesus. I says, don't we all? Don't we all? Do you know it's easy for us to look around and say, they need, boy, I tell you, I was coming down my road the other day. I'm not joking. I'm coming down the road, I'm looking, trying to decide if I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing. Young man, walking down the street, no shirt on, no shoes on, no socks on, wearing a pair of shorts and a ski mask. I got nothing. I just waved. 
We're living in a mixed up world, folks. I don't know if he was apprentice robbing, you know, and thought, I'm going to try this out today. A black ski mask walking down the road. I probably should have called the cops. I hope he didn't rob somebody on my street. We're living in a mixed up world. And yeah, the world needs Jesus. Yeah, they need. But can I tell you something? I need Jesus. You say, boy, I, I hope the Lord goes out to Las Vegas and, and we have a revival in Las Vegas and Sin City comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ and I hope Christ goes up to New York City and Los Angeles and wins all of those people. I sure do too. But I hope he comes to Hattiesburg. Why? Because Hattiesburg needs Jesus just as bad as Las Vegas. And let's bring it in a little bit closer to home. Central Baptist Church needs Jesus. My home needs Jesus. I need Jesus. But wait a minute. We start pushing back. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa now. You know I got two hogs. God, don't encroach on my territory. God, you, you, you know what I have and you know what I want and you know what I plan on doing. God, don't come in my backyard. Can't help but think about Peter when he's questioning what John's going to do in John 21. What did he say? What did Jesus say to him? What is that to thee? We're looking around and say, well, that person needs Jesus and that person needs Jesus and they need a double dose of Jesus and Jesus needs to move in their house. Can I tell you something? What is that to thee? I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need him to come to our town, in our house, in our home, in our heart. Folks, if we just got to the place to recognize that this morning, I promise you Hattiesburg would look different. Got to get to the place where God's people are willing to encounter Christ even when he begins to hit close to home. The other day, I was at a doctor's appointment and the doctor says, we're going to run a couple of tests on this because you're getting to that age. I looked over at him. Hey, you're the same age. I need to pass it along to you. I looked over at him. I said, excuse me? He says, well, you're 44. All these years, I've watched the commercials, but not watched the commercials. Because that's for old people. You know, doctors recommend and the Surgeon General reports and all this. I don't have to listen to any of that because I'm young. And I'm bulletproof and I'm invincible. My doctor had the gall to look over at me and say, you're 44. They recommend at 45 you start having these tests. I'm like, whoa now. You've got to get in my backyard. Folks, whether we like it or not, that's what we need. We need Christ to come to our town. We need Christ to move into our backyard. We need Christ to get a little bit closer Matthew 7, 3 is a verse we know well and we quote often, but we don't quote it to others. We quote it to others, not ourselves. Why beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Can I tell you something wicked about myself? I have found in my life that at times I can have a beam that I can overlook in my life when I'm outward looking in yours. Does anybody else have that problem? Amen. All right, am I the only sinner in here today? That I can overlook some massive things in my life while I'm nitpicking smaller things in other people's life when really what I need is Jesus to move into my town and to move into my heart and to my mind and to take that beam out of my life. Why? Because I'll tell you something this morning. That's who I'm going to give an account for. I'm going to give an account for me. Every man will give an account of himself to God. That's why you ought to let God move in your backyard. You ought to not push back when God wants to move in your town. Can I ask you this morning, what are you overlooking while you're outward looking? 
What are you overlooking? What is the beam that you're overlooking? And you're looking around while we're outward looking. What we need this morning is just Christ. That's what we need. They sang about the cross a moment ago. That's what we need this morning. We need to get Christ as close as we possibly can and to move into our heart and our home because that's going to bring the change we need. It all begins with Christ, but our problem is we won't have an encounter with Christ because we don't like it when he starts hitting close to home. I found something amazing, and I was studying. When he was crucified, what did they call him? Jesus of Nazareth. It's amazing that he carried the name of that city, but that, work, that, that city didn't carry the works of him. Could it be this morning that we're just like those folks? We're associated in name only. But yes, we are Christians and we bear the name of Christ and yet our life does not contain any of the works of God. Verse 5, he could there do no mighty works. No mighty works. Number one, could it be you're missing out on your encounter with Christ because it's starting to hit close to home? But then notice the second thing real quickly. Why did they push back on him? Well, verse 2 is important. Man, this one hit me between the eyes. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, watch this, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Here it comes. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us and they were offended at him. Now watch this. Here are the people of Nazareth, and they had this picture of Jesus in their mind. This is the carpenter. This is that kid that used to run around our town. Kind of hard for me to imagine Jesus as a child, but boy, he was. This is the brother of them and the sister of him. This is the carpenter. So they had this picture in their mind of who Jesus was. This kid that used to run around their town. And they couldn't get past the image that they had and the ideas that they had of who he was. Could the second reason be this morning the reason we miss out on our encounters with Christ? Is because an encounter with Christ lies beyond our own ideas. Could it be? You know what amazes me today in our world? It amazes me what I and what others allow to stand between them and having an encounter with Christ. And sometimes, it's our own ideas. It's our own ideas. They're thinking, he cannot be a rabbi, a master, a teacher. No, this is little Jesus. Or this is the carpenter. He didn't go to Bible college. He's the carpenter. He's, he's the brother of Mary and Judah. I mean, no, this is... And their own ideas block them from having a work of Christ done in their life. You say, how could someone be so foolish? Well, the same way we are that foolish. There are times I'll knock on the door, ask somebody, are they saved? They'll tell me they are. And I'll ask them how they got saved, and they'll tell me they got saved when they got baptized. I say, you got the wrong idea. Your wrong idea. Well, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. I said, why are you saved? Well, because I took the Lord's Supper. Wrong idea. 
And I'll walk through the Word of God and explain to them what the Word of God says on how they can be saved. And they'll refuse to accept Christ and have an encounter with Christ. Why? Because they have their idea of how they got saved. And their entire eternity is jeopardized by their own ideas. Can I tell you something this morning? It can even happen to save people. How many times do we substitute our opinion for our obedience? No, I, I, God, I know you said, but. No, look, if God says it, don't put a but behind it. If he said it, he said it. What he said, he means. And God says, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to live. And he said, God, I know that you said that. But let me tell you what, I, I have this idea. Oh, that's where things go south quick. We begin substituting our ideas and our opinions for what God says to just simply be obedience. The other day, I got ready to walk out the house. Got ready to leave about 9, 9.30. I think it was on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it was. And I had my briefcase in my hand, and my life is in my briefcase. I'm walking out the door, lock the door, set the alarm, get in the car and drive off. We get up to Hartsell, Alabama. We check into the Airbnb we're staying at. And I went to get out my Bible and get my iPad out to start making some notes. And I asked my wife, where's my briefcase? She says, you had it. I hate it when she says that. In other words, you're responsible for the bad news you're about to give yourself. I said, Miley, you didn't happen to get Dad's, Dad's briefcase, did you? No, sir. I called my dad. I said, Dad, could you run over to my house and look and see if you see my briefcase anywhere on the carport? My worst thought was I put it on the roof of the car. I've lost several Bibles that way. My dad said, it's not on the carport. I said, would you go in the house and see? Dad said, yeah. He went in right there on the dryer in our house was my briefcase. In that briefcase was my Bible that I kind of need to preach by. My computer, my notes, everything is in that briefcase. All because I got sidetracked trying to decide if I should water my wife's flowers. That was awful nice of me. But I didn't have my Bible. I had to preach out of a woman's Bible. The sermon was softer, it was sweeter, it was kinder. I apologize to the service. I said, I hope this message is not effeminate because, you know, I'm preaching out of my wife's Bible the whole week. And the problem was the stuff in her Bible is not in the same place as the stuff in my Bible. And I'm like, the Bible says right there. But I, I left it behind because I got distracted thinking about something else. If you're not careful, here's what will happen. You're going to be just like these people here. Christ is going to want to do a work in your life. He's going to come to you maybe today during the service and knock on your heart's door and he's going to want to work a work in you, have an encounter with you and you say, well, you know what, I, maybe, maybe later, God. I think it would be a better idea if I did this next Sunday. God, you know, it's kind of late. I didn't wear my watch today, so y'all are in trouble. It's kind of late and God, I want to get home. I got, I got lunch waiting and family coming over. God, we'll do that later. Don't substitute your ideas for what God says should be obedience because you'll end up in verse number five. And he could there do no mighty works. Is that not what Naaman did? Naaman's got leprosy. Man, he's all sick. After a while, your pinky falls off. Your skin's falling off. I mean, it's just a horrible, loathsome disease. God told him, hey, go down there to Jordan, dip seven times. He says, you know what? I, yeah, the Jordan's there, but there's some cleaner rivers. Red light, Naaman. You're about to miss out on what God wants to do. 
You know what? I have a better idea. Why don't we go down to these rivers? These are nice, clean. Those are polluted rivers over there. I have a better idea, God. If you ever find yourself telling God you have a better idea, just go ahead and... Because you don't. And I don't either. Does it, does it matter what our education or experience is or how many times you've read the Bible? You'll never have a better idea than God. Why? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Just be obedient to what God said and you're not going to miss out on an encounter with Christ. But I believe this morning we're missing out. Oh, we're missing out. I want to read you something in Romans chapter 12 real quick, all right? Are you with me? Amen? You with me? All right, good deal. Romans chapter 12. Every amen, I go three more minutes longer, okay? Romans chapter 12. It's going to get real quiet in here. Uh, Romans chapter 1, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 1. You can just nod your head. Those are free. Romans chapter 1. Listen to what the Bible says about this group of people in verse number 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Wait a minute. They knew him, but they didn't want him. Neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations. What is vanity? Vanity is all about you. It's all about self. When you start substituting you and you start substituting I for what thus saith the Lord, they became vain in their what? Imaginations. That means their ideas now are trumping God's ideas. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise. Oh, we're in trouble. They became fools. Watch what they did in verse 23. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, wherefore God also gave them up. They missed it. They said, God, we don't like your idea of who you are. We're going to change you into who we want. God says, okay, I'm giving you up. And they missed out. Could I beg you something this morning? When Jesus comes to your town... Just go ahead and decide you're going to be obedient and not offering our opinions. God, I think it would be better. God, I have an idea for this. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not into thine own understanding. Number two, could it be this morning you're missing out on an encounter with Christ because we can't get beyond our own ideas for what thus saith the Lord? Finally, I want to give you this before we close today. The Bible says in verse 6 something you're not going to see a lot of in Scripture. The Bible says, and he marveled. Now look, here's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's seen it all. He was there when the earth was made. He knows how a little baby is formed in its mother's womb and begins to grow. He knows how your eyeball takes light and reflects it in your brain and creates vision for you. He knows all of that. Things that you and I marvel over, right? But notice, here's Jesus marveling. What is he marveled at? A great invention of man? Is he marveling about our philosophy and our ideas? No. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Here's Jesus, and he's not marveling at anything anybody's done. He's marveling at what was not done. Number three, this morning, could an encounter with Christ be missed by you today because an encounter with Christ is ultimately going to come down to belief? He marveled because of their unbelief. Now, folks, ultimately, hear me out before we close. The resources and opportunities of God are all claimed by you and I through obedience and through belief. I'm going to claim it. God, you said it, I believe it. How did you get saved, by the way? How did you get saved? 
The Bible says that you believed God offered you the great resource and opportunity of heaven, and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer, what did he tell him? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe. See, we make our choice by what we believe, not by what we know. Do you know if it was based off of what we know this morning, some of us would be limited on the opportunities of God. Amen. Hey, Brother, Brother Edwards, amen and loud on that one. He's like, amen, Pastor, you don't know a lot. No. Can I tell you something this morning? If it was based on intelligence, oh, we'd miss out. If it was based on wealth, you'd miss out. If it were based on prominence in society, we'd miss out. But no, God put it down here on the bottom level for you and I that the resources and opportunities of Almighty God are available to those who will what? Just believe? An encounter with Christ is there if you'll just believe. Salvation's there if you just believe. Oh, my soul, folks. Romans chapter 15, let me read this to you. The Bible says, verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Can I ask you something? All right, I know you're kind of quiet this morning because you're afraid to amen anymore. Wouldn't you love some joy? Enjoy great. Oh, joy is good. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. Boy, that's our strength. Wouldn't you love some peace? Isn't it good when you sleep good? Without drugs. I'm talking about, okay. You know, I know sometimes you go to the hospital and you get that good stuff and it knocks you out for a while. Isn't it good when you can sleep because your heart is at peace? Where does that kind of joy and that kind of peace come from? Right there in the Word of God. Peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you hear that this morning? It's all there for us to have the resources of God, but it's through believing. It's through believing. At some point, we've got to decide, do we believe what God is offering us? I'll tell you, it's impossible for God to lie. So I think we know better than to believe that God's offering us something we can't have. The question for you and I is often the cost. What is it going to cost? I'll tell you something this morning. God's never ripped anybody off. I read about old Daniel this morning in chapter 6. The Bible says that after that long night in the lion's den, Daniel just kept believing God, believing God, believing God. Down in that, that, Daniel, that lion's den that night, they brought him up the next morning. The Bible says he was unharmed. Do you remember why? The Bible says because he believed in his God. Go look at it in verse 23. He believed in his God. Daniel slept in a lion's den. I've never slept in one of those. I want to go shark diving one day, okay? If anybody's got a buddy, got a friend, I want to go, okay? We'll go together. My wife's scared to death. That's why I have two insurance policies, just in case, okay? I've never gone down to the lion's den. I've been to the zoo and seen those lions that are down there. I've been to Africa, and I've seen lions there. And Daniel slept in one. How? He had peace. Where did it come from? Because he believed in his God. I hate missing out on things. I really do. I hate missing out on good things. The other day, I was at Sam's picking up a prescription, and prescription wasn't ready, so I make the rounds, getting all that free food. I look for those little, little booths they got set up there, and I'll make my way over. The first lady, she had beef steak, um, beef jerky. And oh, that was good. That helped me for a little while. Held me long enough for me to get to the back of the store where the lady had Swedish meatballs. I looked at my phone. The prescription still wasn't ready. I just kept making my rounds. 
If you go by the clothing department, you can get a hoodie, put it on with some sunglasses. They won't know it's you. Make a second pass. Come right back through there. Just be sure you take the hoodie off before you go through the scanner, okay? Because you'll get arrested. I started looking around. Prescription wasn't ready yet. I was going to find me another booth. Is there anything I missed? It's free food. Now, folks, I'll tell you something this morning. A lot of us are missing out on far more than the free samples at Sam's. Because simply, we haven't chosen to believe. Just believe. He did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. I wonder this morning, why are we missing out on an encounter with Christ? Why? Is it because he's getting a little too close to home? Wait a minute now, wait a minute now. God, I don't mind giving some money to missions. And God, I don't, I, I don't mind coming to church. But hey, don't, whoa now, don't ask me to give up my Saturdays to go knock on somebody's door to tell them about Christ. Whoa now, whoa now, you're getting a little too close to home. Is that why we're missing out on the encounter with Christ? Could it be this morning we're missing out on the encounter with Christ because we have our ideas? Uh, we're living in a world of philosophers. Everybody's a philosopher. By the way, just because it's a good quote doesn't mean it's a good truth. We got all these flowery sayings and they rhyme and they sound really good and they're very much helpful to our self, but they're not very helpful to our spirit. Could it be that we have our ideas that are getting in the way of having that encounter with Christ? That's what their problem was. Or could it be, and I'm done, that we simply haven't chosen to believe? God, you said it. I believe it. God, you said it. God, I know what you're leading me to do. God, I know what you're leading me to say. God, I know where you lead me to stand. And God, I'm just going to trust you. The most liberating moments of your life when you just choose to trust God. Just trust him. This morning, what are you missing out on? You're missing out on an encounter with Christ. You can meet a celebrity and a politician and you can meet a movie star and you'll never meet anyone that can come close to what an encounter with Christ could do to you, for you today. Could I just beg you, don't miss out on an encounter with Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hear me out. I don't believe we're missing out today because we don't know. I believe we're missing out because we don't believe.